The Loose Cannons podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. Quit! Quit! You said this was our anniversary. Let's do something different. Well, I like that. You cheapskate. Didn't even get me an anniversary present. Now you want to go and get me pregnant. Hey, everyone. It's the final Loose Cannons podcast coming at you. (laughs) The final podcast. (laughs) I know all of our fans are like freaking out right now. Like, what are you talking about? First of all, we're still going to have our three end of the year podcasts that that we mentioned earlier. Podcast number one, Worst of Awards. Podcast number two, Heralds and... uh, Honorable mentions, I guess, 10 through 2, uh, and then like our Oscars, our, our awards. So we'll be stopping Loose Cannons Podcast at Loose Cannons Podcast number 200, and we'll be rebranding. We'll still be delivering yeah. some of the Loose Cannons Podcast content that you know and love. Probably every month we'll still be doing something like this, where we take one film and discuss it in depth. And of course, we'll also be doing any minisodes that any members want to continue to do. Um, but we're going to be mixing things up, and we're going to be introducing some new new things. Like we will be doing Heralds and Denouncements will be its own podcast. We might be doing games podcasts. And uh, there's other ideas that people have had for film-related podcasts, but that aren't specifically taking one movie and discussing it for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Yep. We may even get into some loose cannons produced material too. So, so look forward to Make that. Make our own movies and then review them. Yeah. Man, this movie fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. I did that and I took it off a of letterboxed. <laughs> How dare he positively Damn, feel they, about his They really movie? did, huh? Man, I'm glad we're not actually doing the letterbox podcast then. <laughs> Yeah, fuck, fuck letterbox. Fuck those guys. It wasn't letterbox. Who did it? Some random person. I'm sure who was just mad at me for some reason. Yeah, a lot uh, of mad randos on there. Um, fun. But today, in case you're wondering, we're going to be doing also doing our final AFI podcast. Uh, we're going to be discussing 1971's The Last Picture Show. Figured that was a pretty appropriate choice for the last <laughs> yeah. podcast show, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Um, but before we do that, let's do this. Our last heralds and denouncements in this format. Boop ba doo. Patrick, do you have a final herald or denouncement? Um <laughs> uh, I, I yeah, I can't I guess I can't denounce the movie that I'm working on, but uh, I'd like to. Um <laughs> Honestly, like uh, I, I'll herald the Chiefs Chargers game that happened the other night. That was a great game. Glad the Chargers pulled it out. <laughs> go, go, Super Chargers! Going all the way to the Super Bowl, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all I have. That is all. Basil, 
Yeah. I've been mostly watching uh, a bunch of new stuff that will, some of which will likely come up fairly soon. And as per usual, in December I've been hiding my feelings, preserve some of the last minute surprise. So thickens are a little slim, but uh, I will give a uh, weirdly mild. Harold to Home Alone. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> I watched it for the first time since I was a kid. Uh, Chris Columbus and is it's one a, good movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know if it's any good, but I. It made me feel things, and, and I appreciated those feelings. Uh, uh, I do think that the beginning of the movie is actually very good. Like, I was very surprised how much I enjoyed, like. There's a, just an extended sequence of like how hectic the house is because you have to set up the premise that how does a family forget their child at home and the way that uh, everyone is just yelling at each other and constantly like flowing in and out of the frame, just like bickering and trying to like hectically organize things. I was like, this is very uncomfortable. This makes me feel very intense. And uh, I appreciated that. And then I also remembered like a pretty fun thing about when I was a child, which was like an ambivalence that I didn't know how to emotionally process, which is that I want the robbers to catch Kevin, but I also do not want them to. Like I very strongly don't want him to get caught, but also at a certain point I felt bad for the robbers. I was like, like uh, it reminded me that it's like exactly how I used to feel about Wiley e. Coyote as a kid, although I think that's a little more uh, uh, understandable because Roadrunner sucks, and yeah. I really did just want Wiley e. Coyote to catch him. I think there's Roadrunner's intentionality in the Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. Yeah, exactly. It's your actual good heart is reading things that Chris Columbus would never intentionally put in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So like as a kid, I was like. I related pretty strongly to Kevin, especially in the early parts where he's just, like, alone in his house partying. I was like, this seems cool. I want to do this. I wish I could have this. So there's, like, this weird wish fulfillment. But then once he's, like, hurting the robbers over and over again, like, I found it funny and I liked it. But at the same time, at a certain point, I was like, this is sad. Like, they're trying really hard to accomplish this thing which is murder a child, probably, but, <laughs> so, but, but I don't want them to keep failing when they're trying so hard. Plus that child sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's very yeah. rude. He's very smug. I, uh, yeah, there's actually a good video that Patrick H. Willems did about uh, Home Alone and about how much he likes it. Because uh, he says it does a very economic job of actually setting up the characters and, like, making you feel like even the minor characters have personalities which from what i remember of the movie is true actually like you do actually feel that there's some sort of life inside of every one of the characters no matter how little screen time they get yeah that 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 sad santa is really strange character like the Mm. he goes to visit him and then he's like i know you're not the real santa He's like, what are you talking about, kid? And he's like, but I know you work for him. And I was like, oh, that's a funny, like, kid logic. I know to explain mall Santas. But then he's just, like, driving this old beat-up car, and I was like, this this feels sad. This is a weirdly 
yeah. depressing moment of like mall Santos <laughs> just had these crappy lives and we have a brief window into this guy's and then yeah, I, Kevin McAllister just goes on his day. Yeah, say what you want about John Hughes. He actually like knows how to write screenplays though. So I'll give him that. Yeah. I'll give him that. He knows how I'll to say a lot about John Hughes though, because he <laughs> there's, sucks. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff you can say about him too, but yeah. he was a very professional screenwriter. And oh yeah, the other thing that made me really sad, which was the thing that went over my head, is like uh, John Candy's character in the movie. He's like the Polka King, yeah, yeah, the Polka King. But like, there's a part where he he asks the uh, the mom whether or not she's heard of their band, and then later says that they sold like 693 copies of their album. And I was like. Who is this man who asks strangers if he's heard of their band when they've sold <laughs> less than 700 copies of their album? I was like, this is sad. And then they just, they're like touring in basically a U Haul. Yeah. They're just like riding in the back of a U Haul. And that's their tour bus. And I was like, man, oh man. <laughs> what a bummer. And like, these are all just like signifiers that went over my head. Cause like, I, to me, I didn't understand that, like, human beings aren't supposed to ride in the back of a U-Haul. So, when I was you're like, that looks awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just took it for granted. Yeah. That is, oh, that's a thing. Or that, like, 700 copies of an album was, like, nothing. It's, like, <laughs> almost selling zero copies of your album, especially in the 90s. Yeah, so when you say that John Hughes uh, juxtaposes the excitement of like fake adult life, like that Kevin gets to have his house for mm -hmm. himself with the sad reality of actually being an adult for most people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't make it seem fun. Like they yeah. go to, they have, they're supposed to have this family vacation, but all indications seem to be that that would have been a miserable trip, even if they had succeeded in doing it, if they hadn't yeah. like, and uh and and that even like there's a weird kind of uh, push and pull where you get of having your cake and eating it where like Kevin is very excited to be back to his normal home life at the end of the movie, even though he had a lot of fun being left behind. <laughs> he still like, you know, misses his family or whatever. Yep. Mm. One of the things that uh, Patrick Williams likes about the movie too is Buzz is older brother actually saying like the little shrimp could use a few days in the real world and i was like that's kind of funny uh kevin does need a few days in the real world because he's a shitty kid <laughs> he doesn't need to learn some lessons <laughs> it's true although you know there's a little bit of ambivalence to feel about that it's like kids are shitty and just... suck but like it's yeah. partly just how they are like yeah. like you can't really beat them into you know like drive hard moral lessons into a tiny child like that. Yeah. <laughs> Their brains aren't fully formed enough to really do that. And I, I think about that with a, a writing teacher that I had who, like, was always like, I don't like uh, stories that where children are punished for not, like, learning their lessons. Like, they're kids, like they don't know anything. <laughs> and we're all adults reading these stories. We're supposed to feel some kind of like smug satisfaction, like ah, that kid got what was coming to him. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, don't mind this uh, being a bit of an extra long. Uh, I wasn't uh, from Basel yeah. because I, I don't have anything to offer on this one, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> since uh, the last things I watched were a bit longer ago and I already expressed my thoughts on them on Letterboxd if anyone wants to check them out. Um, so, <laughs> okay. yeah, Ruben, what did you say? Uh, I'll, uh, on my final heralds and announcements, put all my chips in the middle and announce rounders. <laughs> ah, <nice>. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> all in. I'm all We're in. All I'm not liking rounders. rounders. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I, like, I've been watching these 90s movies and I also want to watch, like, movies about, like, hustlers a little bit, just some mm. own ideas that I've been having and like I've mostly been enjoying 90s movies because I think that script structure was more in favor then and there was like more clear character development uh like it was an important part of what people thought movies were in the mm -hmm. 90s um that that it had to have like a certain type of thing going on for it that sometimes I feel like movies these days are missing like someone does an action in a current movie and I'm like they could do that I don't know whether or not it fits their character because I don't know their character <laughs> 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 um, and this movie is kind of like what happens when that goes wrong so people give like long monologues <laughs> about like their backstories like things that happened to them when they were kids like uh Matt Damon's law professor like was gonna be a rabbi, but it wasn't for him. And so he gives like a long speech about growing up in like a Orthodox Jewish household and like you know losing contact with his parents. And I was like, I I cannot give like the tiniest shit about this <laughs> this story, <laughs> and it's so poorly written too. Like it just feels like out of like nowhere in a way. Like just uh this is how you're supposed to write scripts is you're supposed to give these people these monologues about their backstories, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, and it's uh. gotta be like all flashy and like sound poetic, like not super exactly how people actually talk in the real world. And it's just a very, you know, late nineties movie. And that way where I think these things that maybe, uh, when used appropriately can be very good, just sort of went out of control. I said to Basil, it felt like someone took like a poker handbook and like a script handbook and just like put them together <laughs> because it like predates like a little bit of poker popularization when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker. And so it's like filled with poker cliches, but I'm guessing they probably weren't cliches in 1998, but it's almost intolerable to watch if like you know anything about poker at this point. Like, they're like, yeah. you know, they always say, if you're, you don't recognize the, what is it, the fish at the table, you're it's the, you. you're the fish. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. It's you. And like, there's like, I don't know, like a dozen statements like that in the, in the movie. And I'm like, oh, this is just the <laughs> worst writing. Just the worst. So, and Edward Norton's really terrible in it as well. And it's got a you know, classic 90s drag girlfriend who was like, why do you like poker so much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
Mm. Brought Paul back. Gretchen. Yeah, Paul Gretchen Mall. <laughs> they brought back the shrew. Mm. <laughs> well, they, they were <laughs> finessing the shrew at that point. <laughs> she never well, left. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, no rounders for me. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, and John Malkovich brings a really horrendous accent if you're oh, into watching Oh, he plays a Russian to, in that movie, right? Yeah, if you're into watching movies, like, to laugh at wow. bad acting choices. Teddy KGB. Yeah. Great character name. <laughs> yeah, I it's think... pretty much, like, uh, it's, I recently... That's almost, I would call that racist, basically. Like, it's, 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 just, it's just racist against Russians, but it's basically fucking racist. If you can be racist against white people, this is the one example. Yeah. This is the closest you can fucking get. It's so bad. It's like a Russian minstrel show of a character, basically. Um, he does this thing with Oreos because you know everyone had to have character work back then that was like really obvious and on the nose like the first time you see him he opens one of those little spots where like you can see his eyes and then he moves his mouth up and he puts an Oreo on his mouth <laughs> and then when he's playing the game he opens the Oreo like he twists it next to his ear as if it's like telling him secrets and I'm like what is this So, yeah, that's the yeah, that's one of like, the moments that really sells the movie's poker authenticity down the river too. It was like that's like Teddy KGB's tell, like yeah. is that yeah. he opened like that he could be one of the greatest poker players supposedly in the underground scene and have such an obvious thing that he opens his <laughs> Oreos differently, whether he has a good or a bad hand. Yeah, the whole That's idea amazing. of tells is in almost every poker movie and not at all relevant to real actual high stakes poker. Yeah, let's yeah. not forget how in Casino Royale, a man literally weeping blood is his tell <laughs> in that fucking movie. Like, Casino Royale has some of the probably rivals rounders when it comes to how dumb it is about poker, actually. Great movie, they don't otherwise. Talk dumbly, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's true. Anyway. I remember reading an Bill oral Simmons' favorite movie or whatever of, uh, yeah. of rounders recently that like Vulture or somebody put out. That was pretty funny. People talked about John Malkovich and how he showed up on set and like that was the accent, and everyone was like, "Should we say something?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> "No, I mean John Malkovich." Like, what are you gonna do? You gotta you hire John Malkovich. You gotta let him do what he's gonna do. Yeah, work his magic. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh man. Uh. But. So. Okay. Last Next picture up. show. I already forgot mm -hmm. who was gonna give us the plot. Description. I was gonna give you the plot description. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Um, the movie takes place in sometime in the 1950s in uh, a West Texas town. Um, I forget the name of it. It's like Ad Adarine or something like that. Yeah. Um, and Abilene. Yeah, it's not Abilene. It's like Ad I know Adderine. It's, not. it's like <laughs> it's or like Arlene. Yeah. It it, it kind of like you know it's kind of a mashup of a couple of different places in Texas, but uh, yeah, basically the the town is uh, economically depressed. Um, the story follows two young men, Sonny and Dwayne, uh, played by Timothy Bottoms and Jeff Bridges. Uh, they're in high school, and they basically go through a lot of like 
trials and travails uh, of growing up in a really weird small town that's economically depressed. Um, and basically, uh, oh, uh, not just them, but there's a woman played by Sybil Shepherd whose name is... J.C. J.C., that's right. I was going to say Jerry, but it's J.C. Yeah, and uh, she kind of gets involved with... Throws her cat off the bed. (laughs) Rude. She gets involved with some shady characters. uh, And, you know, it's basically the sort of a slice of life of these characters in this, you know, small Texas town trying to get out, trying to go somewhere in life. And uh, in the end, it's kind of ambivalent whether or not they will actually go anywhere. Uh, Dwayne ends up in the army. Sonny ends up uh, in an affair with this older woman. And uh, JC ends up going off to college and uh, maybe the only one who actually got out of there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stuff happens in between there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sure does. Yep. As well. Uh, starting with me. Uh, I didn't really like this movie. I liked it a little bit in the beginning because I thought formally, I was like, wow, of all the movies I've seen, this actually looks the most like the era that it's trying to look. Other than it being in widescreen, just the way that Bogdanovich shoots it and lights it, I was like, this looks like a 50s movie. This is very unsettling because there's a lot of nudity in it, which is not something that I associate with 50s movies ever. And I was like, that's kind of a fun... Uh, juxtaposition that's going on, but once I got used to that aspect of it, I didn't really care about the characters, and uh, didn't really care about how supposedly sad their lives seemed. I was like, it's a lot of romantically masculine men being like, oh, that was the woman that got away, and oh, my, my life, blah, 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 and then you're like, that guy dies, and it's like, ah, now the town's not the same because that <laughs> bro, that old bro, went away. <laughs> so I kind of, yeah, like for the first like 30 minutes, I was like, this movie's weird. I'm kind of into it, I guess. Let's see where it's going. And then by the end, I was like, nah, I don't care about any of this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, honestly still not sh- 100% sure how I feel about this movie because on one hand I agree with uh, with, with Basil that uh, it, none of the characters I really care about I guess on the other hand I think it's pretty well done in, in depicting some of them and how awful they are and just how terrible <laughs> and pathetic and, and sad like all of their lives are um and how fucked up this movie is. Like, I don't know how, why this doesn't get mentioned in lo- a lot, but like, this movie has like a lot of sex between basically adult people and minors in it multiple times. People didn't There's think like, that was fucked up in the 70s. No. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> they don't mention it. Um, well, people write about this standard. movie now don't seem yeah. to really comment on that <laughs> aspect of it very much for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, there's like a real weird, like as definitely this very strange relationship with 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 young women. Like I think like Simple Shepherd's character is portrayed in a really strange way. And considering the fact that Peter Bogdanovich left his wife 
and and got Forcible. with her during this the filming of this movie where she's portraying a high school person this speaks volumes about him as a guy probably um but yeah i don't know like he probably it's not like he he's judging of any of these people but i also think like i don't know there's something interesting about like these kinds of like coming of age stories but like but like portrayed through like a really distorted, awful lens. I, I don't know, like none of I, I like at least at the end of the movie, I had like a pretty I don't know that pretty I good idea that things in America have never really been very good. Um, <laughs> like people well, have been having good. shit sh- shit lives like a lot um, and. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a, a, a I don't know, a, an interesting thought to um, to have at the end of like this type of movie. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, so I'm a little bit mixed on it, I guess. I hate this movie. Um, I think uh, more than Basil, that there is actually a critique of the two main characters or like the broic culture. But I think the critique is. Uh, wishy-washy and mostly doesn't land I, I don't the he's too sympathetic to having a big boner for um <laughs> jc to really like you know go in on these guys for their bad behavior um and i also think that i could say some of the same things that i said about rounders about character work like everybody's always like doing this weird theatrical stuff playing with toothpick holders um fiddling mm. things like and i'm like well, <laughs> that type of style of acting can fit in a certain style of movie like a screwball comedy but this movie is supposed to be like desolate and like it's supposed to have this like very human feel i think like you're supposed these you know poor town and these people are supposed to feel like real out of work people and they feel exactly like actors for me from beginning to end. I'm like, I am watching a performance. Um, So I was reading uh, and I won't drop any names, but reviews, you know, to try to find why people really like this movie. And I saw this line and it made me want to throw up. Um, (laughs) So I think the reason why people like this is, is that they're bad people. Um, <laughs> JC, sorry if you like it, Patrick. JC is immortalized by her looks and knows it. Bogdanovich sure as shit knew it. The standout cynical manipulator in comparison to the boys, a vapid nymph who seeks little other than to climb her small town social ladder. And this is from a positive mm. review of this movie. And I could write the exact mm. same sentence about someone's complete inability to write a woman as a character, but just as mm. a sex object that they hate for being so sexy. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I think it's a good note to uh, for me to end my loose cannons experience on me <laughs> hating a movie everyone else loves. It's a very moving moment. Uh, good times. <laughs> well, um, I think you'll be pleased to know that I also don't like this movie. Um, mm. And I'll I'll go a step further. I think JC is one of the worst characters that I've ever seen on screen. Um, she's. I, the the situations that she's put into like first off are not are like terrible but like the way that she reacts to them is just like this god it's it it doesn't even seem to be trying to critique like the way that she just sort of goes along with everything that happens to her i'm like 
it's very clear to me that a man wrote this because this woman has absolutely no agency whatsoever. She's just going along with every terrible thing that happens to her. And I was like, you know, it, it took me out of the movie from that, like, perspective of just, like, knowing, like, the actress had to do what this man was telling her to do in this script. But also, like, I just watched it on screen and I was like, I don't, I'm, like, I also feel bad that I feel like nothing about this, even though it's terrible what's happening. I'm like, I also just don't like this person, so I don't feel bad for them. I just, I'm just like, throw it all out. Like, throw out all of this garbage. You know, it, this this character shouldn't be in the movie at all. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if she doesn't have agency as much as she doesn't have, like, a consistent character. And, like... It, the movie, she, she starts off as, like, an innocent, like, little, like, girl. She's like, mm, I'm a virgin. You have to wait. It's a sin to wait until marriage. And then, like, her mom is like, you don't want to end up like me. Have sex a couple times. See that it's not really that big a deal or whatever. And then that, like, apparently instantly changes her. And she's like, you know what? I do want to go to this rich person's party. And then, like, <laughs> the main character gets, like, injured. Literally. And she's, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, she literally gets pussy grabbed at that party too. Yeah, yeah, but it just like goes along with it. She's just like, yeah, and this she's like, is oh, fine. this guy's hot. Uh, <laughs> I guess I like him. And then he's like, mm, I don't sleep with virgins. And she's like, okay, well, now I guess I'll go back and yeah, she's, have sex with that yeah, guy. She, but and, she's like literally being shuttled around by all these men. They're just like, do this thing. And she's like, okay, do this thing, okay. But like she, I don't know. I mean, it's like yeah. her idea to no. get married. Yeah, and she then, pursues. But then she's, uh, what's his name? Tim Bottoms' character, Sunny. 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 And then she's like, but she just thinks it's like a gas. And I'm like, how is this? What have you established to make this the same person who was like yelling at her mom? She's like, I don't care about money. All I care about is happiness. I love Dwayne. Like, was that just a lie at the beginning of the movie, or? Something yeah, happened. I know. I th I think but it's okay also, for her to be a bit inconsistent. Uh, also, I think this movie is really weird with time. Like the movie mm -hmm. takes place over a couple years, I think, but it doesn't. No, it's over. No. It's it's over the course of a the very end of the school year, and then I think the movie ends a year at the after end of the summer or something like that. They have literally a line saying it's been years since graduation. They play with time in a very weird so. way in this movie that I'm like, I don't like this. Yeah, but... Yeah, but, I liked that one time, which was the when they go, go to Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, yeah that, I thought that was a funny joke where they're like, we're going to have the coolest party, and then it just immediately cuts <laughs> to them hungover driving back. <laughs> I thought that was good. But um, yeah. but yeah, I was going to say like a generous reading of it would be that... Because I think they do the same thing a little bit with Sonny and other people. Is just that like teenagers are like very serious but also insincere people. Like that they feel emotions very strongly, but they feel them very uh, capriciously as well. So like that they're like, oh, I'm really into this, and then as soon as they decide they're they're not, they're like. Never mind. I don't <laughs> want this at all. I want something else now. Yeah, that's and, something I really uh, liked about Lady Bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that's like, um, like, I think it's not especially well handled, but I do think that that's at least part of the intention of it because I think, um, what's his name? Sonny does the same thing where he's like, oh, like, I'm into this person. And then he's like, 
oh wait, never mind. I'm not into this person. I don't like this relationship. We're breaking up. And then he's like, oh, I guess I'm sleeping with this older lady. And then Sybil's like, hey, get in this car with me. He's like, oh, I'm supposed to go have sex with this older lady, but whatever. I'm getting in the car with you. Now we're dating each other. And, you know, like, she kind of calls him out at the end. But in a scene that I was real mad at. But, uh, like, I think that it's at least partly trying to get at the way that, like, teenagers don't, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that was true of me when I was a teenager. Is like, yeah. I could feel something real strongly, but then as soon as, like, I didn't feel it, it was like that person never mattered to me at all. Like, I was just like, I'm done feeling these feelings. Goodbye. It's like, a, I don't know. I mean, I joke a lot about teenagers being sociopaths, but I think that's one of the ways. It's like that they're really self-absorbed, and so, like, the things they're saying are being in love are actually just, like, a kind of self-absorbed possessiveness of being, like, I want to be with this person because it makes me feel good, and my feeling good is what I really, really like. <laughs> so then it's just like, hmm, I don't feel good about this anymore. Yeah. Goodbye, person. I 100% agree. That's a generous reading. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just think, I think this movie is too I, cruel I, to I, women. I don't think... Like, the only um, woman that it has seemingly like any feelings for is um, Cloris Leachman's character, and it's pity. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. makes me want to no, spit no, I'm, in I'm his not, face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that it's, yeah. it's it's well done at all in that regard. And like I was saying, like I agree with you that the about the critique thing. The thing that I was like thinking wasn't a critique is like that Sam doesn't also fit into that category. The movie doesn't see that like. The, the teen boys being, like, kind of gross dudes is not any different than, like, yeah. Sam's long story. I, like, I thought about... that Sam was one of the worst characters of this whole movie, actually. Like, he <laughs> yeah. was, like, Sam's a really lion? Sen <laughs> sentimentalized version of, like, male um, Americana. I don't know. Like, it's really mm -hmm. yeah. weird, dumb it, shit. I, it, I, I thought that, uh, just to push back a little against, I think that, like, What's her name? I forget the forgetting the actress name. J.C. You know. Sybil Shepherd. No, 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 not Sybil Shepherd. Her mom. Her mom. Uh, oh, Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. Ellen Burstyn's pretty the great. The Exorcist. Yeah, Lois. She's I think she awesome gives a great performance, but I don't like the yeah. way that character is written. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care about the character that much. I think that she's like a really good actress in this, um, and I think that that kind of overcomes a lot of the like shittier aspects, like the actual writing of the women, which, I mean, obviously in a lot of movies of that. Uh, very few movies have well-written female characters anyway, and this is, so a lot of the times, I think the performance is still worth mentioning, even if the sure. character isn't written very well. Um, so I think, uh, and I think that her and the way she's kind of dismissive of almost everything in this movie and everyone, except the, the one thing that bugs me is that at the end she's like, oh, Sam, how I loved Sam, and blah, 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 and that's like kind of boring to me. But like mm -hmm. her, like just sort of pathetic dismissal of everything and everyone in this whole city, is something that I I I was like, ah, okay, interesting that this movie has this idea that, on the one hand, everyone seems to take their own tragedies or whatever so seriously, or their own, but there's also an awareness that they're all kind of dumb, like they're all <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, I mean every one of them is kind of pathetic, and just kind of shitty and cruel to each other all the time when they don't have to be and whatever. And they're like, 
that I think this movie knows that they are this way. Uh, maybe it's, I, I'd agree probably that it isn't written super well, and maybe it's like not, definitely not very relatable or whatever, because who wants to relate to people like that? But I think that, like, <laughs> you know... Um, well, apparently lots in, of people, in, Ilya, I'm sorry to inform you, a lot of people relate <laughs> to the two main characters, and they're like, hmm, I remember yeah. what it was like in high school, and like, you felt so deeply, and... This has, uh, I don't know. I, I, sure. I, yeah, yeah, it has that I, sentimentality. I, I hear right? your, your mm. reading and like, you mm. know, I, I'm not going to be like, you're wrong, of course. Like, <laughs> mm. But uh, sadly, a lot of people do relate to this. Like, you know, you watch this side to side with Twilight and you look at how much more ambivalent that movie is about teenagers' feelings. And it's just like, mm, which one is in the AFI top 50? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that tells you quite a bit about like the people that like canonize these things too, right? I mean, yeah. that's yeah. why this movie it is hard, in they're this still only seventeen-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah, and you can hardly find a negative review about it on the internet. Yeah, even now, I, so that I, tells you that's probably even still true, right? So you know, it's not mm -hmm. like that's changing. I think it's informative in a way that the way this movie is about these things, I think, mm -hmm. is. Interesting. I think it's very revealing of a certain kind of, you know, way of looking at like men, women, and whatever. And I think, in a sense, this movie is a pretty good record of that, and and how that maybe to a lot of people still feels feels that way. That it's okay to depict like a seventeen-year-old girl or whatever like that, you know. And it's okay to feel like this like weird like sentiment towards these boys who basically you know they, their idea of fun is going to mexico and going like maybe seeing some hookers and like the guy who's like supposedly the moral center of this movie gives them a bit more money for it so and, but then warns them that they shouldn't t catch the clap or whatever like that's like mm -hmm. that's how like i don't know that i feel like to, to a certain degree that that's a really honest portrayal of how a lot of America probably still works, right? So, you know, just to, you know, I, I'm not saying I like the, like, it's not a pleasant movie to watch. It wasn't really a pleasant experience, but I think a lot of what it says like is kind of, of weirdly accurate. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I, I want well, to like, go back to the point that I was trying to make earlier, though, about JC mm. having no agency because I kind of got cut off on that. And I kind of want to go back to it for a second. So, <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying is that like it's not just her. Also, like every woman's life in this movie seems to be defined only by the men that they are with. Like their entire lives are controlled by what men they're with and what opportunities those men give them, basically. And even their characters themselves are like determined by which men they are with within the context of the story. So, like, we kind of like Ellen Burstyn's character a little more, or we're supposed to, because she was with Sam, who's, you know, this, like, mythical, like, moral center to the story, supposedly. And we're supposed to, you know, feel sorry for Cloris Leachman's character because she's with Sonny, who's the, you know, the one that you're supposed to feel, you know, feelings for because he's the ostensibly the protagonist of the story, if you want to go there and then you know every, everything surrounding the women is basically defined by the men that they choose to be with and you know that like i guess is what he's using as like the moral 
determinants for each character. Like uh, you can kind of tell the way he feels about each character based on <laughs> who they're with, essentially. Um, because you know, like it, the movie's clearly making judgments on JC for going along with you know uh, Randy Quaid's character. I forget his. It's like Lester, Lester. or something like that. Yeah. Which, you know, like, anytime Randy Quaid shows up, it's probably a bad idea to go with him anywhere. But Both in movies and yeah, in real life? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, the movie really does seem to be judging her for, like, you know, kind of being into any of that. Um, so, yeah. I mean... I, yeah. I, sorry, I just want to make it clear that I agree with that critique. I don't know if agency is the right word. Because I think JC makes a lot of plot informing character informing decisions, which is normally what agency means. They're just cruel and based around her feelings towards specific men. So her entire life mm -hmm. is correct, you're correct, centered around men and decisions about how the men relate to our lives. But she is making decisions. And I guess I don't necessarily think that having agency or not having agency is like a defining characteristic of like a well written woman. The example that someone brought up on one of my letterbox reviews that I really love is uh, the main character in um, what's the name of the John Cassavetes movie with Peter Falk that we watched for the podcast oh woman under the influence yeah she makes no decisions in that movie but she's incredibly well written and an incredibly sympathetic character and like you don't watch that movie and be like ah yes John Cassavetes hates this woman because she doesn't get to make any decisions. You're like, oh, John Cassavetes recognizes the reality of the world for women, and for women especially with uh, who are neurodivergent, that none of their reality is trusted, you know, that they're not allowed to make any decisions for themselves. So just like... I think I agree with your critique. I just I think she does have agency. It's just you know her agency is to be like ah, I hate men and I'm going to punish them, which is like yeah. you know not cool. <laughs> I guess I I think it maybe comes across to me a little more a little bit more in a meta sense because she seems to just be acting the way that a man would want her to act. Sure, I guess she doesn't feel like a fully fleshed out character he's given her yeah that's yeah true, for sure yeah but yeah maybe, I mean, maybe that's what i'm reacting to more is the the maleness of the writing around her i guess right and it's weird because it's like uh that feeling is is i mean it comes through in the writing but like i think even more strongly it comes through in the filmmaking because i feel like structurally a good filmmaker would like take the fact that she goes off to this nude uh, like pool party and they go off to a hooker and like juxtapose that kind of maliciously is like oh you're judging this woman for lying to her boyfriend and going off to this nude party but like they're just going off to sleep with a prostitute as soon as she's out of uh, just because like out of spite because they're mad at her or whatever and like make it feel as strongly that like you know everyone is being shitty but like the feeling you definitely come away with or at least i did watching the movie was that her decisions were a lot more uh cruel than theirs and hmm. i think that that's like i know, you know I, I, that's that's bogdanovich and i guess the writer or whatever because on paper i think the, those are moments that could work if they wanted them to 
Yeah, I agree. I think I'm not sure if I'm like uh, maybe I just didn't feel that as strongly, or I didn't care as much <laughs> that maybe that was McDonough judging something somebody. Uh, I feel like it's probably accurate to say that that's how people do judge, like if yeah if I, women do something remotely sexually uh, independent think, or whatever, they're immediately so judged for it, and when men do it, it's romantic and fun. Right. So, yeah. So I think, you know, what you said, I really like earlier where you're like, uh, I don't like this movie. It's unpleasant, but I think it might be accurate. And Mm. like, so I think maybe anthropologically, this is a canonical movie. You can take this movie out of 1971 (laughs) and be like, this movie exactly captured something about America, about men, about how they treat women that exists that still you know bubbles up in its own ways today and then that way you can study it and be like hmm these are the, these are these mm-hmm. really weird cruel things that that people do yeah. but you know i i don't watch this movie and feel like that is what you know is coming across while watching it that what's watching is like ah i really depicted the cruelty of this mm-hmm. there's there's too much sympathy in this movie, mm-hmm. and I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the and whole thing with I think, uh, I think it's the similar. little kid getting hit by a truck is yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. it's amazing that yeah. anyone could give that movie uh, like yeah. today. Watching this movie for the first time, be like, "This is a five star movie that yeah. has like that scene where he like yells at them all. He was just sweeping. He was just sweeping." <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's like also the fact that, yeah, this movie has this like developmentally disabled whatever person and uses it as a prop is also, yeah. again, also quite accurate. Also a very confused prop <laughs> about how like, America generally feels so, like, about these people, but yeah. So he did almost molest this girl, like, but just Rock. not quite, and that's why he's in prison? Like, I was so confused, because, yeah. like, at first I was like, oh, this is like an indictment of the town, they're like you know, misreading this situation or whatever. But then he's like, nah, he didn't really do anything. He just got her to take her panties off. And I was like, that's doing so. That's bad. (laughs) That's that's still sexual. Yeah, when I I heard that, I I fucking nearly laughed. I kind of lost my shit because it's like, oh, obviously. I actually kind of wish there was more of that second thing in the movie Mm -hmm. so that I could like really hate Sonny and that I could like really just like grab onto this idea that like, yeah, yeah, Sonny's just completely fucked up. But I just don't feel yeah. like that that's... I don't think that Bogdanovich is like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that he's too ambivalent about these characters mm. um, yeah. to, you know... Yeah, I, 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 yeah I agree I, with that. Well, I was yeah. going to say, like, I think part of the problem that he has here is that he is, at the same time, sort of, like, romanticizing this idea of, like, poverty in a way, which is, like, it, it's, it, I don't I guess the reason that a lot of, you know, like, <laughs> very, like, bourgeois liberal critics like this movie is because it does, on the one hand, sort of romanticize this, like, oh, man, look how beautiful this desolate town is. But at the same time, it's like, oh, these people are, like, good people at heart. It's just these, it's just the fact that they're poor that like weighs on their soul or whatever. It's like, if they weren't poor, they would be good people or something like that. And I was like, that seems like a really gross thing to be saying. I disagree about that though. (laughs) I I have to, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like 
No, that people that in this town do do like a lot of dumb, evil, sh like but, cruel shit. But it, like a lot. it feels like it's saying it it's because they don't have a way to get out of this town. Like if they could get out of this town and like go live in a big city, they would like make a better life for themselves or something like that. That rich like, guy does not seem nice that she visits at the pool party, and his little brother is mm. a creep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah and, and I, Ellen Burstyn's husband seems like a piece of shit too i don't know i mean i think mm. uh but i but i also it does feel weird i sort of uh, agree with patrick uh in the sense that like bogdanovich is a new yorker like he lived in new york and la and i don't know where the guy who wrote this novel is from but like this doesn't McMurtry? feel like yeah yeah mm. like it doesn't feel like a person who like grew up in texas actually made this movie because like it's a movie that feels like a movie version of that's all he wrote. So. Yeah, yeah, someone yeah, yeah. made a comment about how what I, I, what what kind of Kaida cinema programmer put like Red River in the, in the theater <laughs> and Winchester uh, seventy three. Yeah, yeah, in this like the yeah 50s, he's from Texas. Like when Howard Hawks, I wasn't, I'm not even sure if like Red River was like such a huge hit or whatever. Like in the, in, in at that time, for sure. So, so but yeah, yeah like. I, I just think that it's like a, it's more like an know. idea of a ta like I, I agree with that for mm -hmm. sure. It does a lot of it seems very like theatrical, or whatever. Like very, very much. Uh, Larry McMurtry uh, is from Texas, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I figured he probably was, but like watching the movie, I don't. It doesn't have that vibe, and like some of that is like I guess like a meta thing or whatever, like the fifties and. The death of cinema. I was like, oh, they're already on this boring train back in 1971. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but I also have to say, like, I don't know. There's like few few things in this movie. Uh, I'm not sure if like my reaction was is is at all like like the right way to react to this. But like, I'm I'm also not sure if that was how the movie wanted me to feel about this. But I also mm -hmm. think that there's something in this movie that ju like uh, justifies this sort of reaction, like. When um, uh, Sunny first has sex with that older woman, and she starts crying in the middle of it, like, and, and then like they're in bed, and it's just the most miserable fucking situation you could possibly imagine. It's just like so bad. I like I couldn't stop. Like I couldn't help myself but start laughing because I'm just like this is so fucking pathetic and terrible that it's gone from the realm of like realism into something like really fucking just like fucking absurd completely absurd yeah so it, it's just like how fucking like awful can like people's lives generally be and like is it is that something that's just like what kind of what how can you read what's the right reaction to that even at a certain level like that was something that you know if people really watched that and were like oh yeah what a realistic scene that yeah. could totally happen. I'm like, what an opera this is of not misery. How anybody yeah. ever, this hasn't happened to anybody ever, probably. Not like this, anyway. This is like a fucked up version of maybe something like that happened. It's like completely over the top. And I think that, like, in a certain way, like, this movie sometimes just like gets to like a really extreme artificial version of like this, like, romantic or unromanticized idea or anti-romantic idea of like the south and how terrible things actually are i know mm. there's something weird and like off-putting about that um but it's i don't know it's interesting it, it felt interesting yeah. to that it made me re react that way i wasn't expecting yeah. it to
someone someone's review that I read mentioned like American Graffiti, and I do think this is a funny juxtaposition of like two seventies movies about the fifties that like go in the complete opposite direction about the fifties. Like American Graffiti is like, man, oh man, being a teenager in the fifties. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy American Graffiti, what I remember, is it's kind of like Boogie Nights in a way. And then it's just like, uh, it was so cool living in the 50s, but they could have never known the horrors that were coming. Because yeah. like when, it's, <laughs> yeah. when the scene drops at the end and it's just like the credits roll, like everyone's like having fun, like dancing the jive or something like that. And then it's like they all died in the war. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, okay. I, I'll, I'll, um, I'll correct you a little bit. Uh, that movie is supposed to take place in 1962. So it's the early oh, okay. 60s. Mm. Uh, sure. But it is like but yeah, it is still it that fifties. That fifties like culture is still there, yeah. like that that like racing cars and you know <laughs> going to the sock hop or whatever. Yeah, I... and but then uh, this is like like a miserableism version where like nothing good happens. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, like exactly. like even uh, yeah. what's his name when he when uh, Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepherd finally try to have sex for the first time, he's just like impotent. He can't do it. Like, yeah. Everything's like, uh, always no terrible <laughs> for everyone. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No. The anticipation um, of something possibly good. But I'll I'll go back yeah. and to to the point that I was trying to make earlier about the idea that, um, at, at the very least, like it seems like the story wants Sunny to like escape the town, and it's like if he could just escape, things would be better for him. Yeah. Because there's that scene where he gets into his truck. And he just starts driving and he just, he, he drives out of town and then he just like stops and turns around and comes back because he has like, he's like, no, I can't, I can't do it or whatever. Yeah, it's obligations. Like, he's, it, it, it feels like the movie's like, oh, what a tragedy. Like if he could only get yeah, out sure. and, and get to a big city mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, he could be all like right. New York. Yeah, like New York. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that that just feels obviously like obviously Bogdanovich didn't see Midnight Cowboy. That didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I give I give Schlesinger <laughs> a lot more credit. And I have <laughs> yeah, I said the one thing Bogdanovich and I have in common. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. like to give this movie a generous reading, and if I wanted to be like generous, I would look at like the title, like the Last Picture Show, and be like, ah, so this movie is like. It's being torn apart. It's like, you know, there's this romantic Old West ideal, and we want to, like, feel like we're watching one of those movies. And at the same time, there's the horrible reality of, like, the actual world. And these two things are in conflict, and they're being, like, pulled apart in this movie. And, uh, you know, like, that sounds like a really cool movie, but it's not Mm -hmm. what I saw. That's not the one Bogdanovich made, as far as I can tell. (laughs) What I saw is a movie with some very bad acting, in my opinion. A lot of people Mm -hmm. doing lots of lots of overacting. Uh, Mm. You know, like the old, the real old style, like uh, method acting. You can definitely imagine like these people walking off set and just like yelling at the crew because they were in character. And yeah. <laughs> just being like horrible, um, yeah. and just like you know, it's like getting big and yelling and knocking things off tables and playing with things with their hands all the time, like picking up a burger and putting it down and picking it up again, and putting <laughs> it down. And I'm like, no one does that. There's nothing realistic about this at all. And like, if 
I, you know, if it's going to be unrealistic in that way, and then it's also going to have this, what's traditionally accepted as the realistic mode of like longer shots, black and white, poverty, desolation. Like I need to understand that you understand this tension and that you acknowledge it somehow that like, I feel like this is a tension you created, not because that's the style of acting that you think is actually good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of like award set pieces here where it's yeah. just like here's Oscar our speeches. Yeah, yeah, here's our long push in on this on Sam the Lion. Yeah. We're gonna get a long I don't push actually in like on Ben Christian. Johnson. And he's gonna win an Academy it's too Award. Much more. Yeah. I think <laughs> he did win an Academy he Award. Did, yes. He did, yes. He and Cloris Leachman yep. both won Academy Awards. Yeah, the, I saw Cloris Leachman's uh, Oscar scene is at the end where she throws the coffee and she's like, Why am I always apologizing? <laughs> Which I is, I did yeah, think it was I mean, a funny uh, thing to say to him. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, yeah, that's good. Like, be angry at him because he's a shitty person. But then she she's too sympathetic. Yeah, but then she's just she's she, like she softens I mean, at the end. Unfortunately, yeah, she also like had sex with him while he was still a minor. Yeah, like that's true. I, but, I, come on, like for a second, yeah, like we, just. I, uh, that's also like a, a bit a bit weird that the movie like like people, everyone who w watches this like or comments about this movie is like yeah he really did a number on her and like are you sure because like he's still a fucking kid when she started fucking him so maybe she's yeah. also a bit like it's unclear exactly like, how old all everyone is but like awful. it's still yeah it's <laughs> everyone's awful legality's not, not yeah legality's <laughs> not not important in that situation like the mm -hmm. people are clearly two like vastly different ages and that's the yeah. that's the issue i guess i've uh i watched two <coughs> movies this week that featured nudity of people who are supposed to be playing underage people even though they're of age while they're filming the yeah. movie and i'm like this is gross get it out of here <laughs> i don't care that it's desexualized in this movie i don't care that Sybil Shepherd's boobs are like shot in like a weird, awkward way, or the uh, the other woman, the actress I don't know, where she just like takes off her bra. And he's just like hand to boob, and I'm like, this yeah. is kind of a funny scene, but like I don't want to be looking at someone who's playing a 17 year old's boobs ever mm. under any circumstance. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it was Dan that's who how, pointed that's it out how to Max me. Hardcore went to prison. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not, it's like fine to do in a movie. In a cinematic movie, but if you t if someone tells the camera that they're underage in a porn movie, then you go to prison. That's what happened with Max Hardcore. I mean, good. Max Hardcore is a disgusting yeah. human being, but you know, like, like it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird double standard that it's like, sure oh, is. well, this is cinema, yeah. so yeah. it's okay yeah. that this person said she's it's 15 a, when yeah. she took her shirt off. And, <laughs> and I don't know. I have to say that like that whole setup of like. Sybil Shepherd and that guy having sex in the pool hall, that basically was like a porn scene. I mean, it was yeah. just not actual pornography, but it just yeah. it had all the elements of it. it. The way it was like everything, like build, the buildup yeah. of it, like yeah. her on that couch, the guy coming in, yeah. her like kind of suggestively staring at him. <laughs> he might as well have been there to fix the cable, you know, like... <laughs> And, oh, and so like, sad. again, to put, like, that into context, like, the Peter Bogdanovich started dating Sybil Shepherd in the middle of making this movie makes yeah. me yeah. really believe that uh, there was definitely a very sexualized element of a lot of her nudity also yeah. in this. Because, like, I mean, her boobs are almost, like, almost always very much in the, in the focus of attention every time she's on screen. So that's always a bit weird. Um, and I don't know, like... Uh, <laughs> 
I, I feel like that part of the movie definitely was like the most fucking awkward to watch. Yeah. Like for me, the whole it's time. Just the, another just another like thing. So super I in your face. Shout out think... Dan because he's the one who turned me onto it. I made like a list of like, I made like a video with a bunch of my favorite moments from television, and one of it involved a performance from Glee. And he was like, "Man, I forgot how fucking pedo porny Glee is." <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean?" And he was Ooh. like, "They're supposed to be 16." And I was like, but they're actually 20. And he's like, yeah, but they're supposed to be 16. And I was like, all right, you're right, Dan. <laughs> fair <laughs> point. Fucking creepy fair ass point. A fair point. Show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And what one of the actors was Good old Riverdale has a lot of those problems. Too, one of the actors. Yeah, one of the actors from Glee was arrested for child, child pornography. And then hung himself in prison. Yeah. Right. Um, to to go back to the um, Peter Bogdanovich Sybil Shepherd thing too, like just thinking about like like Peter Bogdanovich the way he looks, like making this movie about poor people in Texas, and he's like every time I see him, I feel like he's got like a cravat on, and he's like this like yeah, he's, a, he's like he's the, the most pop. like effete intellectual like liberal new yorker that i've ever seen in my life like if That's i think of, if i think of the platonic ideal of the like intellectual new yorker in my head i'm like ah peter bogdanovich he's got his glasses and his cravat and he's like oh yeah so i can talk about the cinema all day long and i'm like god fuck. Very like, this is the guy that's making the movie the about Sopranos poor people as, in, uh, in West Texas. therapist <laughs> it's, he's perfect as the stuck-up, like, terrible therapist <laughs> that gives her terrible therapy advice all the time. Yeah. Just, just imagining that guy filming this movie is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've really got to dig into the tragedy of poverty here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <sighs> all right. We did yeah. it. Also, uh, we sure did it. Last Shout out to Timothy Bottoms for having a very face. hilarious name, too. <laughs> I mean, we're all used to it now, but I think Jeff Bridges and Bo Bridges are very funny names in it as well. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Yeah, you're right. We need to make a list of all the actors with very funny names that we've had. I know we had Peter Boners on here. It's <laughs> <laughs> <The> a classic. <laughs> Peter Boners, Timothy yep. Bottoms. All right, uh, Ilya and Patrick, this was your thing, the AFI mm -hmm. Top 100. Did we do it? It did was we, our thing, did yeah. Did we do a good job? <laughs> yeah. Um, did we do what you wanted? I'll, I'll say it, it was a mixed you bag. You want to start out, Patrick? Yeah, I'll, I'll, like, the AFI is a mixed bag. Like, there are some movies on there that are still, you watch them today and you're like, wow, this still has a lot of good stuff to say. And it is, like, still, still feels like, the critique that it was going for lands, you know, stuff like Bridge on the River Kwai, I would say, like, still lands. Um, some of the stuff is still fun. Some of the stuff we didn't talk about on the podcast, I also watched, like, The Sound of Music, um, which I hadn't watched in a very long time, but... You did talk about it on I, the, I think the Herald. I, yeah, I heralded it. And, man, that one's, that one's still good. Uh, it's a great movie that hates Nazis. I'm here for that. Um... Gosh, uh, I, I think uh, stuff like All the President's Men, you know, still kind of keeps some of its tension, but it's a little too, like, guys being dudes, uh, <laughs> which, I, you know, that, that feels like, you know, like William Goldman's style as far as writing goes, so uh, no surprise there, but still has some fun elements that 
are you know like played with in interesting ways. I think uh, Alan Pecula is a interesting filmmaker and did a good job with like you know paranoia stuff. I know Ilya, you said you really like cool the stars. parallax view. Um, sure do. But yeah, how to uh, like was there? Uh, I don't know. Like I guess we should do like I don't know like high low points for the. Well, what do you think of the, the project whole... itself? Like what do you? Yeah. Like, oh, you, did, you think of the idea of like canonization? What did? Yeah. What did you guys take out? Did you did you accomplish because, what like, you wanted? I mean, what you wanted. I think, I think it was interesting for me to look at the idea of like like this is like the the film canon, right? Like the AFI top one hundred is like the probably you know uh, the most like canonized. That one in the sight and sound. Died in sight and sound. Yeah. I mean, which, I'm not sure how much it ended up saying to me at the end, to be honest. Like, there's kind of, I guess you could say uh, that most of the movies adhere to kind of a certain ideological uh, uh, standard. I guess there's, like, with the formal aspects, there's, like, not a huge uh, reward for, like, experimentation in a lot of these movies that they do adhere to more of a pretty simple, like, narrative-style, narrative-driven uh uh, style that there's, I'm I'm not sure if there even was like any like uh, movie on that whole list that was not like a plot driven whatever like movie in some way or like a character study mm-hmm. or something like there's no um, uh, experimental films on there I think at all. Um, King Kong probably comes closest. <laughs> right, yeah. the ones we watched. <laughs> and I think I think it was interesting for me to just like. Because I have, I didn't, I hadn't watched like all uh, a surprising number of them, or at least not, definitely not in a while. Uh, how I'd feel about them now, and I don't know, a lot of them I feel pretty, pretty good about. Like a lot of them I liked, a lot of them are pretty good movies. Um, and uh, I, it's just, it maybe it's in a way to me, it kind of questions the idea of what exactly a canon really re- ends up representing. I don't know. In this case, um, I guess it's uh, uh, still, I'm, it's still not, it's not like I can't watch any of these movies, even though I have ideological problems with them. Like, I can still watch them. They're very watchable. Um, so I'm not sure what to do with that, to be honest, right mm-hmm. now. Like, uh, do I feel like I should, like, there's a reason to get some of these movies out of here, you know, like get them less, less canonized. Like for example, this movie that's like so critically acclaimed and so beloved, apparently, um, is it yeah, even, worth saying even that among the people that you would think would question it more? Yeah. Everyone I follow on Letterboxd, I don't think anyone gave it less than three stars, maybe one, like two and a half or something like that. Yeah. It's uh, not for very much longer. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, it's an interesting, I don't know, yeah. Uh, I mean, I like what Ruben said earlier with, like, that approaching these movies with more of a, like, these are snapshots of a certain mode, largely Hollywood filmmaking, and a certain time, largely yeah. the past, uh, <laughs> and what they what those people thought about and felt about making entertainment for people. 
making media. I just looked through quickly of the ones that we watched for AFI, and of the three that I hated, I would say two are still interesting from at the very least an anthropological standpoint, and that's this and King Kong. But I don't think there's anything useful about On the Waterfront. I yeah. think that yeah. belongs straight <laughs> in the garbage. Yeah, fuck that movie. Mm. Yeah, It's politically bad, it's aesthetically boring, it's gave the wrong impression of what good acting should be for like 60 years. Like it's actually a detriment to cinema that it exists. <laughs> right. right on. Yeah. You know, and I'll 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 say the same with Gone with the Wind. Like, I fucking hate that movie. It's terrible. It's stupid. Um, and it's, you know, I again, like, maybe there's some anthropological... I don't even think that, because I think it it's so bad politically, that movie, because it, it definitely, like, tries to go back and say, like, oh, well, some people treated their slaves nice. It's like, no, fuck that. Like, fuck all of that. Take all of it and throw it straight in the fucking garbage. Like, there's none of that that we need. <laughs> but yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> we might be hearing about uh, Gone with the Wind again at the end of the year. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, so yeah. Yeah, I feel like having watched this many in this relatively short of a time, like a year, we watched like 20 of them total. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That other than the one that is actually a British movie, A Clockwork Orange, um, <laughs> that they do all have a certain flavor to them, like an Americanness, and like generally whether or not I liked the movie had to do with how on board I was with how what they thought about that Americanness. Were they like casually accepting mm-hmm. of it, like in Rambo? Or <laughs> were they more intriguingly critical of it, like in Sullivan's Travels or of the President's Men. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it, it, it's interesting so, because, in my opinion, AFI is like this captures America, but then doesn't go any further than that. So they're like, yeah. Rambo captures yeah. America, and they're right. Oh, Rambo's not actually on the oh, okay. list, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah. I yeah, thought it was on the. It one should of the be. Movies. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> I thought. Uh, I think I, I picked First Blood instead of Rocky, I think. Yeah, it was a replacement. Rocky. You could say right. the same thing about Rocky. Rocky's, Rocky's <laughs> yeah, in right. the wheelhouse, yeah. Yeah. Even more I mean, so, I'd maybe. say <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's no statue of Rambo on, in Philadelphia, right? So <laughs> That's uh, true. There should <laughs> <laughs> or in like small towns yeah, somewhere in small yeah. town Pacific Washington, Northwest, I think they should <laughs> yeah. build a statue of Rambo yeah, up in Washington, yeah. Portland. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, I guess yeah, I was gonna say uh, we should point out. I don't, I don't think we made this clear, but we did replace certain movies um, in the AFI canon. Although we didn't so, end up doing any of them, except for Rambo. Yeah. Um, for yeah. First yeah. Um, or yeah, mm-hmm. except for First Blood. I forget. It's it's not called Rambo. But it's that was. First Blood. Um, the, it was because um, we had either seen the movies recently or just, I, I guess it them. Yeah, we, we had blackballed some of the movies. Um, mostly because I had seen them recently. Right, most, mostly <laughs> because we had seen them recently, so we didn't want to talk about them again. Or we had like already canonized them. Right. You know, like right. we still like Rear Window and Singing in the Rain. Right, yeah, yeah, stuff that yeah, the need to go back stuff that we've them. yeah we've run over before <laughs> that was you know it's wildly popular with us obviously, um, but yeah that was the only one that we ended up doing on the podcast that we had replaced with something else was uh, First Blood for Rocky. Um, Thanks to me, yeah, 
I decided I didn't like that idea, so I put them all at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's too many movies on the AFI. We could. I mean, yeah, could keep this going. We could keep it keep going. Keep watching them. Why not? Yeah. For the rest, for the rest of the time, just watch nothing but AFI. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's interesting that um, that a, a list like this sort of becomes, you know, like part of the common parlance where it's like, why does AFI, I mean, I guess AFI is, it's a school, but like, why is it more of an authority than, you know, I don't know, some, us. some other, yeah, like <laughs> us, or, you know, like, why, why, why don't we look at like a, you know, why, why isn't there like a Cahiers du Cinema list that we, we follow along with, you know, why is it just this, you know, this one school in, mm-hmm. um, I think it's in I Los mean, they're Angeles. not a reputable thing at all, but I think it's fun uh us weekly recently put out a big magazine that was like the 500 best movies of all time and it just says best movies of all time at least afi has the decency to be like these are the 100 best american movies yeah, even okay. though they fudge it a little yeah, bit yeah. but like the but on us weekly's list of 500 i went through the whole thing and i found five movies that weren't in english so one percent of the best movies of nice. all time were made in non-English speaking countries. And I feel like, you know, this is a, uh, it's a bias that we keep reinforcing for ourselves, which is like, we're a bunch of American people and we watch American movies and we do them the best. (laughs) Sometimes somebody else gets it right, but not really that often. But only when they make movies that are in the style (laughs) of other movies that we love, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, Tokyo Story was on the list and I was like, based on the rest of this, I don't believe that a single person who works at Apple could actually <laughs> watch Tokyo, Tokyo Story. Story. <laughs> yeah. If they have watched it, they don't like it. They were just like, mm, yeah. smart movie. Yeah. Put it on the list. Yeah. yeah. They were like, hmm, what do they like yeah. in Japan? They were just like looking at like, what's the most popular movie on IMDb from this country? <laughs> they were like, Tokyo Story is popular. Let's put that on the list. <laughs> it's a great film. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, we'll still celebrate stuff like Seven Samurai because it's made like a John Ford Western just in the Japanese countryside. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool, though. It is a cool movie. I mean, you know, (laughs) Kurosawa's great. Yeah. Kurosawa's great. I'm also an American. But yeah, yeah, we're we're Americans and we we love Kurosawa. We're being catered to. We gravitate toward him because he wanted to be John Ford. Like, that was his whole. Thing. He was like, yeah, I want to be like that guy. I want to wear a cool hat like him. The <laughs> <laughs> defining characteristic of a director is not wearing a cool hat. Do they have a cool hat? Yeah, I mean, there um, was... Uh, as the person who was probably least excited about this idea at the beginning of mm. the year, I'll say that I ended up pleasantly surprised um, in terms of the podcasts, uh, in terms of the movies. Mm-hmm. They were pretty much... I don't think I gave any of them higher than three and a half stars, um, mm-hmm. which is like pretty good. But mm-hmm. you know, but and I mostly watched all the ones that I already suspected that, most about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that I would like. Yeah, and I would I was say right. this one is by far the big. Uh, the one we currently talked about is by far the biggest disappointment yeah. to me because going into it, I was like, number one, never seen Last Picture Show, never heard anything bad about it. I've seen other Bogdanovich movies, and I like them. Yeah. I'm excited for this one. Sure, for sure. And then there it went. Yep. 
Oopsie-doopsie. <laughs> so, does anyone else have anything they would like to say about the AFI Top 100 project? Uh, Can't. We're think, good. I think we nailed nope. it. Keep them loose. <laughs> yeah. Update them with modern trends because, you know, people yeah. change. The well, ideas of what they think mm -hmm. are good change, and that's yep. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The context. The Hold on to the past is dumb. Even this movie kind of knows yeah. that. <laughs> context is important. Context matters. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If so, subscribe for the next three episodes and then eventually subscribe to our new podcast. Yep. Which I'm yeah. sure, at the very least, even if we have to like change how it is released on iTunes, we'll release something small just to tell you where to go mm -hmm. to resubscribe um but it probably won't we probably won't have to change the rss feed or anything like that um thank goodness and uh you know go to our website which will be a new website sometime in 2019 and uh you know our patreon things will stand regardless you know so if you want to start doing one of our patreon bonuses and pay us to do a podcast about something or whatever. Uh, we might be adding new Patreon stuff. I don't know. But everything that exists now stands. So if you had paid us through this year, we would still do it. And if you wanted to pay us next year to do one of those things that's on there, we'll still do it. That's not changing. So. Nope. All right. Thank you again. And thank you, Loose Cannon hosts. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Five years of good stuff. Oh. We really oh we really in fact did it this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We nailed it. Sure I think did. We nailed it, guys. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.